Hi, I'm David Fryer, a VCSO with Sadara. A VCSO is someone who spends their day thinking about and working on information security and helping organizations put together information security programs. What is information security? What are we protecting? What we're protecting is your organization's information assets. Information assets take several forms. It even includes things that you don't normally think of as information security topics like paper files and access to physical spaces. All of these things are properly the concern of an information security program, but for the most part, we're going to concern ourselves with cybersecurity, which deals with data on computers and the different forms they take as they rest on disks or move around on networks. How can different information assets be threatened? There are many methods that attackers use to go after your information assets, including placing viruses on machines that have access to your information, including social engineering and attempting to extract information from people that they can leverage to get further access to your systems. They can be looking to steal your organization's intellectual property. They can be looking to sabotage your operations. They can also be seeking to install a type of virus called ransomware, which will encrypt all the information so that you no longer have use of it and then charge you significant money to regain access to that information. To understand why information is vulnerable, you need to consider several things. You need to consider what threats may affect the availability of the information, what threats may affect the confidentiality that you hold that information in, and what threats may affect the integrity of the information so that you and your constituency can trust it. You also need to understand the vulnerabilities that may allow threats to become real against your information assets. And finally, you need to understand the value of those assets because you definitely don't want to expend more in protective measures than what those assets are worth in the first place. Once you understand your risks, you can decide how to deal with those risks, how to treat them. So there are three basic ways that you can treat a risk. You can mitigate the risk by reducing the vulnerability or the availability to an attacker of your asset. You can transfer the risk by doing something like purchasing insurance. You can also decide simply to accept a risk. This is going to be a part of every risk management strategy. And there, since there's really no such thing as completely removing risk by mitigation or transfer, some risk will always have to be accepted. In information security, we often call this residual risk. It's what you're left over with at the end of the day. So in any organization, you need to build out organizational structure to help you deal with the risk in those three ways. You need to create 
policies that state the goals of your risk management strategy and how you're going to perform those things at the highest level. You need to create standards that specify the different kinds of technology approaches and organizational approaches that you will take to treat the risks the way you have decided to at the policy level. And then you need to create guidelines and procedures that allow you to put into action the uh, activities that will actually treat the risks, mitigate them or transfer them or accept them. When we're getting down to the business of actually treating our risks, when we're, if you will, looking at how the sausage is made when you put a security program into place, you talk about the implementation of a number of controls that help your organization activate the strategies that you've decided on. There are two kinds of controls in one aspect. They can be administrative or technical. Administrative controls are controls where management says you do this and everyone is expected to comply. And you just measure the amount of compliance that you get with that to see if the control is effective. Technical controls are controls where you arrange the technology so as to make it difficult or impossible to act in a way that damages the information and so you literally prevent people from doing uh, things that will hurt your information asset value. There are also two kinds of controls from another point of view called protective and detective. Protective controls seek to prevent the damage to the asset in the first place. Detective controls seek to understand if damage has occurred and where and how much, and then give you the necessary information you need to re recover from that damage. So with controls being of two types, both technical versus administrative and protective versus detective, we turn out to have uh, four different fundamental kinds of controls. So if you think about, for example, encrypting a database, that is a technical and protective control. It is technical from the point of view of we put it in place through the configuration of our technology and it's protective from the point of view of it is preventing the damage to the data in the first place. On the other hand, we could have uh, system logs that are generated and then sent to a database to be reviewed in the case of an event. Those are a detective control, but also technical because we're having our systems generate those logs and send them where we can inspect them later if we need to. If there's been damage to the data, then we look at the logs and we figure out how it happened and we understand how much damage there was and how we can fix it. On the other hand, administrative controls would include things like an acceptable use policy that comes out from management and everyone in the organization understands how they are and are not permitted to use the computing equipment and the information assets. That is a protective control because it seeks to prevent the damage to the data, but it's only administrative, not technical, in the sense that it remains possible for people to act 
contrary to that policy. There's no uh, configuration of the systems that actually locks them out from doing that. You simply expect them to comply because they're members of the organization and should be complying with the organization's policies. A detective control that is administrative in nature might include something like a visitor log that you see at a reception desk. It's filled out by hand. You understand when someone arrived to visit, probably when they left. Uh, and if someone malicious turns out was in your building, you know when they arrived and it helps you understand what kind of damage they may have done. Another administrative detective control that is very common is an audit. A guy shows up with a notebook and he starts asking questions and he looks at all the records. And this is an administrative control that's being enacted by humans, not necessarily by technical means, although auditors typically have computers to help them. And they are looking through uh, information to understand if everything in the organization, if all the transactions within the organization were conducted properly, or if not, what kind of damage may have been done and how do we correct it? One of the things we want to be able to do is plan for the worst. Uh, it's not that necessarily every aspect of every plan will be able to be enacted exactly as it's written, but the concept of preparing plans and the activity of thinking about all of the different contingencies necessary to prepare these plans actually helps you better conceptualize what's happening in your organization and how to protect your information assets better. There are three kinds of plans I like to see every organization preparing. One is called a disaster recovery plan. This helps you recover from a large-scale catastrophe that affects your information infrastructure, your servers or your network, your data center if you have one, and so on. This is a way for you to be able to recover processing your critical systems with backup copies of your information assets in possibly an alternate location or on an alternate infrastructure such as moving from a local data center to a cloud-based system. Another type of plan I wanna see every organization have is a business continuity plan. This goes beyond the strictly data asset aspect of information assets and looks at the business operation as a whole. So if a primary location of functioning uh, for your business is out of commission, let's say there was a fire, you have a plan ready to notify people not to report to the original location, to go somewhere else to do their work. You also have arrangements for them to have uh, computers if they need them, network if they need it, and be able to perform their work from an alternate location and keep the business functioning, possibly at a degraded level, but at least enough to survive as opposed to having to hang up out of business sign because you had a fire at your office. The final document I wanna see organizations prepare is called an incident response plan. An incident response plan is activated if your information assets have been successfully attacked and you need to recover from that situation. It helps you detect the nature of the damage that's been done and understand the extent of it. 
It helps you contain the damage. It helps you start recovering from that damage. So if you suffer, let's say, a successful ransomware attack, this helps you understand how to get back to the backup copies of your data, how to communicate the fact that you were attacked. If the uh, ransomware attackers, as they frequently do now, threaten to disclose some of the data, what sort of breach disclosure uh, processes do you need to activate based on your local jurisdiction, and so on. Everything you need to know to respond to an attack scenario rather than trying to think of it on the fly in the case where you're actually dealing with the stress of having been attacked, you have it written down in a plan and you can use that as a guide for taking you through that response. So who can help you put all this together? Well, organizations that are large enough will hire a chief information security officer. A chief information security officer has two main functions. One is to serve as an expert advisor to the board and the other senior management of the company to understand what are the information security and risk management considerations with the business operations they just want to carry on to make a profit or whatever the mission of the company might be. They also are charged with organizing and managing the overall information security program that that company has. So whatever technical controls, even whatever administrative controls are put in place by the company, policies and standards and procedures and guidelines that are built in order to organize to protect the company's information assets, those are the charge of the chief information security officer. Now, many companies do not have the size and budget to justify a full-time chief information security officer, so they get one on a time slice basis, and that's called a virtual chief information security officer, or VCSO. A VCSO performs all the same functions of the chief information security officer with the important exception that they're not actually a member of the management team of the company because they're hired in from an outside consultancy, and so they can't perform executive functions and management approvals. They're only serving as a consulting uh, figure within, within that company. Therefore, it's important for the VCSO to cultivate a strong relationship with the executive management of the company so that when things need to be enacted, they can work together quickly and efficiently to get that done. Does a VCSO sound like something that could help your organization? If so, visit Sadara at sadarasecurity.com.